Welcome to the Joy Quota Podcast. I'm Dylan Fole. I'm Gavin Malcolm. Our guest today is Connor Toulier, mountain bike filmer, adventure filmer, all-around sweet guy. Yeah, we get into some real shenanigans and talk about life and talk about adventures and one of the best people we've ever talked to about filling that Joy Quota and making sure that every day is pursued to the fullest. So enjoy. You know, obviously anything you can do to like improve your equipment or anything that you use to like get your creativity out then there's no like limitations on that that's when you'll like flourish so having good equipment yes like it does help a lot yeah and you know you need you need good stuff like this podcast you know we got some good mics we got some good cameras so it's gonna be quality and then we don't have to sit here and be like oh does this sound good like is we sounding good yes connection (laughs) you know so but I've definitely dealt with a lot of that, just like <clears throat> become like trying to deal with like making my first videos on Windows Movie Maker and like some yeah. very, very slow computers. And my mom's like, I don't even know, it was like some Nikon camera. <laughs> Super old, but you know, it got that the first, job like, done for back then. Camera f- or like the flip video camera, whatever that was. <laughs> yeah, those those flip cameras were trash. My friend yeah. Cody had one and it it didn't. It did not get the job done. Honestly, no. like actually, oh, they were actually did yeah. not. I um. <laughs> I, okay, so I got, I bought a knockoff flip camera because the the real ones were more expensive. So I bought I don't know mm-hmm. a cheaper version of it, and yeah, it was horrible quality. But the best part because I, this was right when GoPro came out, mm-hmm. and I GoPro was even <sighs> more right. expensive. So what I did is I took this knockoff flip camera put Velcro on one side of my snowboard helmet and one side of the camera and Velcroed this camera to the side of my head that was like this big. I literally remember that footage. Um, me and my brother skiing. And, yeah, uh, that's crazy. When didn't you do like one run through the dirt jumps with it as well? Or like something I, like probably. that? Probably. Because I, I remember <laughs> seeing footage and like, again, GoPro like just came out and being blown away like what he had a camera on him that's yeah. crazy yeah no doubt that is crazy and like so yeah you were right up there with gopro you know strapping your flip camera on your helmet <laughs> what up yeah, gopro but the uh <laughs> the guy that invented gopro became a billionaire and i of course so i didn't yet i didn't take yet. it and run <clears throat> i well, wouldn't want to be a billionaire no yeah, that's fr- all right first question for our, our guest tonight connor <laughs> yeah. yeah i've like i was just like uh, I'm just talking to these dudes and like, are we rolling? We're always rolling. We've been rolling. Yeah. And I was like, all right, we're in. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, maybe we should actually do a, a legit start. Cause yeah, I'm done. It, Either way. It, it'll sound better that way. How do we say your last name? Uh, so do you want to do the start and then go back into that? I thought we like, you yeah. could maybe cut out some things. Like, I think we really ranted on about the computers and hard drives. Yeah, yeah well, I think but we'll just I think, cut that. like, we'll... maybe there was some good stuff. I don't yeah. know. <clears throat> but, That's yeah, just let's fun. Do a... like, you kind of end up chatting for a couple minutes <clears throat> just to, like, get a conversation going. Yeah, yeah, let's but do a little intro. It, it kind of sound, it sounds weird to me when we do it like that, when there's not an actual mm. start point. No doubt. So we I, can do like a start. Yeah, because we'll do the intro at yeah, the end works where we guys. introduce you, but just an actual start point. Yeah, um, cool. Totally. We'll start us off, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we were going in a good direction. Like, 
All right, we're officially <laughs> starting now, and actually, just for the record, we've already been rolling for 25 minutes, and we just didn't realize we've been talking, and then we're like, okay, we need to start this. Let's do an official start. So Dylan, <laughs> kick it us makes off. It, it makes it way more <laughs> awkward <laughs> that way. <laughs> it's All the right. truth, though. Connor, if you could be a billionaire, would you? Oh, I mean, if I could have a billion dollars, yes, I would have a billion dollars, but... I wouldn't live the life of a so-called billionaire. I would, you know, put that money towards good things in the world. Hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Like what? Um, I would probably try to invest a lot of money in environmental things. I would also try and invest money in school systems, doctors, um, science to like, you know, get new research about things that we could be doing better. I would also... I think a lot of it would probably go to like research on how we could actually make the world a better place yeah. instead of just trying it. Let's like do some research and see like what we could do. I don't know. It would just, I, I really don't know. I would have to sit down and, you know, jot this out. Hmm. Dude, a really that's a serious issue, having a billion dollars. Oh, yeah. You got to write I, it down. That's the thing. Like, it's so much responsibility. I don't know if I would want that much responsibility because, mm. like, it seems like a good idea. And yeah, there's all these causes that you could support and that would be an awesome factor, of course. But the amount of people that would hound you for money would, I think, become unmanageable. See, I feel like that's where the guy who uh, started Five Hour Energy, literally guys made like billions of, of dollars and he gave away like 95% of it. Wow. Like, he literally lives off like 100K a year. But he's a, he he's made billions, and then once he hits his like salary of a hundred k, every other dollar goes into this other company that's only job is to better the world. Like, mm -hmm. if you're into environmental science, like they have a huge, like it's literally just this like think tank of engineers and scientists and researchers, and all they do is just pour as much money into possible as like. You have unlimited funds, make the world a better place. There's like a little YouTube documentary on it that was super cool. I was like, that sounds like a fun way to be a billionaire. I'd also, I would also just like surprise people with like crazy, I'd be the worst at having a billion dollars because I would, I would give it away so fast. Like right, mm -hmm. I would just be like walking, like the other day um, I was driving down the street and literally like almost started crying while I was driving our like giant work truck. There was just a, this little like, I don't know, eight year old kid who was blind and he was learning how to be blind. Like it wasn't a new, like, I'm not sure if he was like born that way or if it happened recently, but like this amazing lady was helping him learn how to cross the street blind and like traffic's backing up behind me. And I'm like, not caring. I just want to like see what that looks like. Cause I'm genuinely curious, but also I'm just like moved by like how crazy is it that this little kid has to like learn such an insane skill set mm -hmm. and uh, like immediately started reaching out to the Boys and Girls Club that uh, like before I even made it to work, like next stoplight, like send a quick text to a buddy who, who uh, is really involved there. And like that's the kind of stuff where if I was driving and I was a billionaire, like I would just walk over and like, yeah, even without like the kid knowing just like somehow give enough to him like in resources to where he can have the support that he needs to really like 
learn the skills it's going to take to get through life and, and give him the extra little push to kind of even the playing playing field. Yeah, I think that's awesome too, you know, and when you can directly impact a human being, that's that's great. And I think, you know, the billion dollars would definitely go towards helping individual people that really need it. And, you know, if we can help like 2 million, 5 million, like, you, you know, we could help so many, like, I don't know, 500 million people with this billion yeah. dollars or whatever. We have to do the math. But yeah. <laughs> I think uh, that would be $2 per person if it was I don't know. Carry the one. I'm not great at math. All right. All right. Well, uh, two but bucks. You can I mean, that's better than zero bucks. Right. So if we lift up, like, you know, a very large majority of people, then that itself is going to make a very big impact on the world, I think. You know, impacting the people first and then making, you know, maybe people, like, that don't have it as good as us and they're stuck in a rut. Hey, let's help them out a little bit and get them on their feet and then they can go on and do their thing in the world, whatever they're meant to be. And I feel like a yeah. lot of people don't have the opportunity to actually do what they are meant to be in the world. And, you know, it's kind of unfortunate and it's it's very true. You know, we are very lucky in the United States and, you know, vast majority of North America. Um, but there are still, you know, a lot of people that are struggling here. So, yeah, you just you just never know, you know. United States, the land of, you know, it's the best country, but, you know, let's look at, like, what's actually happening. Yeah, there's... So, what there's do you, have you, are you familiar with um, Andrew Yang and his, for president and his uh, $1,000 a month? Oh, yeah, I, I did he actually wants see... to give, yeah, $1,000 a month as a, a freedom dividend, he calls it. It's a universal basic income. And, uh, He's running in 2020. I'm not know. a fan of that. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, I saw one of his videos on Facebook. He's I think heavy and, on Facebook right now. Um, I just it caught me as kind of a gimmick at first. But if you were to give everyone a thousand dollars a month, and people who didn't need that thousand dollars a month gave it to people who did need it, then that would be freaking awesome. Yeah, like I think that's where it gets tricky. Like anything where you just but people are gonna keep it and buy it on things that they yeah, want. Yeah, I feel you know? like you're just gonna like a lot of people just learn how to spend an extra thousand dollars a month instead of use it for something useful like you know getting out of but debt. But that or kind like of is the things. point is the the benefit to the economy. That's kind of how it pays for itself. I, I think I'm not uh, interesting. I'm not super familiar. Interesting. Mm. Well, speaking actually, you you just mentioned something, Connor. Um, how like getting people to do what they're actually meant to be doing and what mm -hmm. they're passionate about doing. You literally dropped out of high school when you were 15 to go pursue filming and photography. Like you've yep. literally been blessed with what I don't think a lot of people have, which is a, the courage to chase their dreams and like really get after it. But more importantly, you Even knew what it, what dream, it yeah. you literally knew what you wanted to do and you trusted yourself when you, felt that feeling of like, oh, this is what I'm meant to be doing. What was yeah. that like? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like anything like, oh, I, I want to be a photographer. I want to be a videographer. But I think it was more of just like an inspiration to want to start trying these things and get in that and just really start exercising my creativity that out like outside of mountain biking, like mountain biking has been my number one source of creativity pretty much ever until I discovered photography and videography and making videos and everything that comes along with that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, 
it's it's great and I think that everyone has something that has yet to be discovered um but maybe they don't have you know supportive family or something up yeah. you know there could be a num- number of things that is blocking them from realizing that potential but I oh like I do believe that everyone has the potential to unblock that and you know kind of at least become like start on the right path of to following your passions. Yeah. So you mentioned your supportive family. How did that conversation go with your family when you were 15 in what, yeah. 10th grade? Oh shit. Um so yeah, my family has always been very supportive of everything that, you know, makes me happy and everything that I needed to be a good human, um which is great. Shout out to my family. They're the best. Love you guys. Um, but yeah, the, it was pretty weird when, you know, I brought, I brought up the conversation of, Hey, I'm, I want to drop out. You know, my parents always knew I hated high school pretty much since, uh, my first day of like kindergarten. I think my mom was telling me I was like crying at kindergarten, like the very first day I ever like left my house. (laughs) And yeah, so (laughs) I've just always, I just don't like that environment. I want to be free and I want to learn things on my own and I want to learn by being out in the world. Um, So before I get into um, how my parents reacted to me wanting to drop out of high school, I'll tell the story of what led me to drop out of high school. That sounds awesome. Um, So, (laughs) you know, I've always, like I said, hated high school. I've always been kind of like, I need to get out. I need to start doing stuff for myself. And mountain biking kind of was a catalyst for this. So I had a friend, um, Kelsey Hoag. Kelsey Mm -hmm. Hoag. You guys probably know Kelsey. Big shout out to Kelsey. Big shout out to Kelsey. He's the realist. He, I was talking to him one day at the dirt jumps, Fallbrook dirt jumps in Thornton. Yeah. They've been rebuilt all the time. Um, but I was talking to him there and I was like, yo, Kelsey, like, how are you always, like, how do you always have time to ride bikes and be out here just like having fun and doing your thing? And cause I know he was like, you know, not old enough to have been graduated high school yet. Yeah. He was like full-time riding at like, I don't think like 16, 17. should ask him to be on the podcast yeah. at some point. Definitely. Yeah. So, because he, he was killing it on a on a bike when he was like fifteen, yeah, 14. definitely, yeah, he, crushing it. Um, but yeah, I was like, "Yo, Kelsey, how do you always have time to do all this stuff?" And he's like, "Well, I, I got dropped out of high school and I got my GED." I was like, "Oh, what's the GED?" <laughs> he's like, "Well, it's the General Education Diploma." I was like, "Okay, like tell me more." So he told me a little bit about how he got it, and so I did started doing a bunch of research on it. Um, looked up, you know, everything that I needed to know. I started doing some practice tests online. And at the time I was 15 and I believe in the state of Colorado, you have to be 18. Um, really? but I found, I did some digging around. I found this form online that allows you to do it when you're you know, 15 or above, I think, I think it was. So I found this form, I filled it out and basically like presented this whole pitch packet to my parents <laughs> of like, Hey, like, <laughs> here's what I want to do. Here's my plan. Um, I know it's super crazy. Give it some thought. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm literally picturing you like 
the classic like trifold poster board and like <laughs> if you look here mom and dad no it was powerpoint yeah it was powerpoint yeah with the yeah. laser pointer <laughs> it wasn't that crazy you know i i had like all the information you know stuffed away somewhere on my computer but i was basically just like didn't really present them with any papers i was just like hey like here's my plan um you know i'm pretty i'm pretty much gonna do it if you guys let me um and they were at first just like, what? There's no like, there's no way. Prove to us that this is real. And you found this form online, so you can do it when you're 15. Like, what is this? Uh, so, presented all that. A couple of months went by of just me nagging them about it all the time. And finally, I just went to my last day of school. And you know, I was pretty sure I'd like convince my parents at that point. I really didn't get the final okay or anything. But I went into my last day of school and basically just told all my teachers, like, hey, like, I appreciate you guys and, like, everything you do. Like, don't take this respect uh, disrespectfully, but I'm going to, like, be dropping out today. And pretty much everyone was like, like, what? Like, who do you think you are? But there was one teacher, uh, Priestley Parker, who was really cool. And I always knew he was cool. And he was like, you know what, Connor, like, I'm stoked for you. Like, congratulations. Like, let me know how it goes. So that was when I was like 15 and I'm 22 now. So it's been a minute. That's awesome, though, that like, I feel like there's always like one teacher that gets it right. Like, I remember there was always like one or two teachers where you're like, these are the only people who actually understand like what's really going on in the world and like school's place within it and all that. Yeah, that's, that's teachers. Cool that you had at least one teacher that was like, no, I, I think this is actually good for you. Like, that's awesome and supported you. Right. Like a teacher that, you know, kind of also understands the education system and how, you know, people, young people are realizing that this is not for them mm -hmm. and that they can educate themselves on YouTube or, you know, mostly like anything there's on the Internet. There's so many there's so much stuff out there. And all through high school, I mean, like at least after I bought my first camera, I'd always been, you know, on YouTube learning. And I was like, wow, like I'm literally learning way more than I do at school every day, just like with an hour on YouTube. Yeah. And, you know, that that kind of sucks that I was wasting all that time at school. Yeah, for sure. That was like and a huge thing is like I'm wasting so much time. It is like Let's move on an outdated model i feel like for sure yeah like there's some stuff that like algebra yeah a lot of it just doesn't fit <laughs> into what know. society's become right and if right. you want to learn algebra that's great but for 90 percent of people that don't you're wasting your time and i think there is a value in going to school that i understand now that i didn't understand then as far as like the social interaction and you know, yeah. being around mm -hmm. people Agreed. And, and that kind of thing that I didn't understand then. And looking back on it, I wish Definitely. I that more serious. But yeah, the actual classes of it right. See, are a waste of time. It's great totally to have agree. a place to go and, you know, like be be there every day. And especially when you're really young, your parents don't have a place. You know, they go to work every day. They need a place yeah. to bring you. Oh, totally. So it's it's great for that. It's great for the social aspect. It's great to be around people. But the class structure, I mean, come on. Yeah. I think are, are there five careers like math, yeah, science? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of careers within those subjects, but 
You know, there's so much more beyond those, you know, five, six basic subjects that, mm-hmm. you know, are, you know, part of this super important curriculum that we have. Yeah, I feel like if we took the social aspect and like leaned into it more heavily, mm-hmm. I think it would become like the most valuable thing. Like definitely there should be classes on like as silly as it sounds like how to make friends or like, <laughs> yeah, literal actual life skills where like everyone says it's not what you know it's who you know mm-hmm. and then they teaching you they spend a bunch of time teaching you what to know instead of how to make those connections and create yeah. actual friendships with the who's that will matter right like required reading how to win friends and influence people exactly <laughs> yeah like that book changed my life and like things like that i think um i think there's a lot of value in learning how to learn which is part mm-hmm. of school but again, I just don't think the structure fits anymore because our society's become so kind of free flowing yeah. versus before it wasn't pretty rigid. Um, like, well, and, and it's a large part of it is just social media and the internet, and like we're in this crazy time that no one could have guessed fifty mm-hmm. years ago when they made the school system, and. Right, like it just code, is coding fit. required now? I doubt it. It should but it be. Should be. It, Absolutely. It, I wish I knew how. I I couldn't I do couldn't. anything. I mean, I don't think it should be valuable. required, but I think it should be an option. You know, I mean, you should be able to have option. those options. It yeah. probably is an option. I would guess, but it's by probably now, not but. like a heavily. It's not. Yeah, option. it's not encouraged. And like, I like the idea of the same way that you have to learn like basic math, learning basic coding, or like True. learning like yeah. again like required reading is how to win friends and influence people or like spending some of the budget that you would have spent on like some some of the more outdated things where the in all actuality like the amount of people that are really interested in taking super serious like high level sciences mm-hmm. is probably a lot less and there's so much or maybe not sciences, but like certain like algebra and like my freshman year math class was calc trig honors, and I was like right away like I hate those I'll, words. I'll never use this. Like I was so proud of myself for getting there, and then immediately being like, I, God help me if I use this every day for my job. Like mm-hmm. I don't want this. Um, yeah, but I mean honestly, like shout out to the people who do know these things because. They use crazy math in like NASA Our and stuff. Our friend is a rocket scientist. I listened to that podcast. <laughs> He's yeah. a legend. I oh yeah, like, dude! Wow. Big shout out to the rocket doctor. But the like that's the doctor, point. Like yeah. he knew he wanted to do that really young, mm-hmm. and I think opening up the that's door. That's not necessarily true. He told I, me a story of in second grade. His te- he told his teacher that he was going to work on the Hubble Space Telescope, oh, okay. and then what? his teacher told him he'd never do it. And then he wrote that teacher back when he worked on the Hubble Space Telescope before he even graduated college. Why didn't he Are do you that serious? story on the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, he has tons of stories like that where, like, yeah. he's like a nth degree black belt in some well, cause martial he, art and stuff. Because in the podcast he talked about he was debating either rocket science or, or dance. It was like yeah. his debate. But that's... I don't know. Mm. If maybe that was just a joke. I no, I guarantee that's so real. Uh, but that's that's kind of what you're talking about. It's like letting people know that the world really is their oyster and to find out what they're passionate about first 
and then see what they can apply to that versus saying you have to learn all of these skills and then find something that you're passionate about using those skills. Exactly. Like that yeah. I think is the biggest shift in difference is now there's just more options with where we can go in our lives yeah. than there was 50 years ago. And so for sure, just that small shift of just putting the priorities different of find spending more time in the, the hard part of life, which is finding out what you're passionate about, what you want your life to be about. And then the how to's come pretty quick. Yeah. And I don't even think it's really like, you know, the hard part, but, you know, we should have fun and do what we feel like we should, you know. And yeah. I feel like if we have fun and let ourselves be who we are, then that will lead us to be finding our passions. You know, I don't think that we really need to, you know, I feel like I might have struggled a little bit with like, oh, like, you know, what is my passion like earlier on? But, you know, I think that will come naturally to, Absolutely. Mo to most of us if, you know, if we're having fun and doing doing ourselves. So, yeah. Amen to that. I mean, that's kind of how we stumbled upon this whole joy quota thing. Dylan and I just kept yeah. finding ourselves having more fun than everyone else we knew. And when <laughs> we would tell people about our antics or our, some crazy story we got into, and then everyone would be like, that's crazy. I never would have thought that you could have done, you could have made sledding that fun or like whatever it was. And we would just be like, well, that's a shame because we really think you can have fun doing just about anything. It's pretty easy if you... If you're just, just ready yeah, to have some, just give it a shot. So, but I think that comes down to your your family a little bit too, right? Like, Definitely. Like I mean, if you have that, like opportunities or not. Well, yeah, yeah. and just mm -hmm. because your family let you have dreams. Like I've heard Definitely. stories from people that yeah. they didn't even know they could have a dream. Right. Yep. For sure, it's because they yeah you know they might have been like pushed down or like, you know, not given the opportunity to dream. And yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about is what we need to like try to fix is like, you know, from when you're born, I like, you know, you need to be treated as a human and you need to be treated good. And if there's time in between from when you're born and, you know, you're like even five years old and you haven't been treated good, then, you know, that might like that will stick with you, I think. And I think it does stick yeah. with people. And absolutely. You know, if you're like kind of like the whole concept of, you know, if you if you grow up in a bad family, then, you know, you might like kind of take those traits on. Yeah, it perpetuates itself. And well, and that's <clears throat> I don't even think it makes it a bad family. Yeah, it's it's just like for some people, it's just like, you know, you need to work to provide for your family. This mm -hmm. is how it is. You need to get a job and True. do this. They don't even know that they're missing out on anything. Right. Yeah. True. Yeah, I actually just heard a story about uh, one of my relative in-laws um, who we were joking around. I was telling them about how much fun I'm having with this podcast and how, like, I'm really committed to making this, regardless of whatever happens to it, like, this is something I'm 100% in on. Like, I'm way more committed mm -hmm. to this than I am my J-O-B, my 9 to 5. Like, <laughs> this is what's filling the tank for me. Right. That's what's letting me do this right it's, yeah. a, it's a means to an end versus this is the reward um and i was kind of explaining that to him to them and uh they were telling me how their husband was talking about work in a very different way where he's like 
yeah, you're not supposed to enjoy it. It's called work. You go there and you do it and then you come home. And I was like, that's the saddest thing because yeah. I feel like there's so many people who have that mentality of yeah. you're not supposed to enjoy something. Mm-hmm. I enjoy learning lessons the hard way even. like It's very rare where I can't find a little bit of satisfaction or enjoyment out of even like a really hard lesson to learn where I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, at least I only have to learn this once. Like True. Versus just the idea of going to something that you don't like doing and doesn't fill you up and you're just dead while you're there and you spend eight to 10 hours there a day is crazy to me. No doubt. And, you know, even some of like those jobs that those people are in that they're just like, oh, I'm just going there to work. I feel like there's people out there that would be stoked to do those jobs. Yeah. And even that person could find something about like, I've specifically tried to have bad days at work because I'll be like angry about something Mm. that's going on in the company and just because we're human beings, like I'll go to work already upset and like, oh, like I hate everything. And within two hours, I cannot help myself from laughing and like goofing around and (laughs) really enjoying myself despite however, like whether it's shoveling snow in the middle of a blizzard or like all these things where I really should be having a terrible time. I cannot help but Mm -hmm. make jokes and laugh and, and enjoy myself despite my circumstances. And I think that's kind of, at least for me, a skill that I'd like to share with others is it's a skill. Like it is a skill. So much time learning how to enjoy everything, which has made it hard to like, in some sense, pick and choose things sometimes. Like I let myself stay someplace I shouldn't be because I can enjoy it. (laughs) Um, But that's a much better problem to have. I feel like than being able to spend a bunch of time someplace that you hate. Yeah, it's it's definitely a skill to learn how to enjoy kind of like, you know, maybe boring or shitty moments of life. Yeah. And But once you do, you kind of push past that barrier and then you realize, are these really shitty moments or is are these just moments that are just passing by and I'm just passing by it as well? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's usually all good. <laughs> yeah, so. I've got a, a saying, <laughs> either you're going to die and your problems will be over or you're going to get through <laughs> it and your problems will be over. So mm-hmm. either way, I probably wouldn't worry. That's a good one. No doubt. No doubt. But it is a lot easier said than done. Amen uh, to that. Yes. I mean, amen I mean. to that for sure. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting here talking about it too, but I can like, you know, think back to literally like just little things in the last few days. That I've been like, oh, like kind of mad about this, but I'm going to get over it really fast. As yeah. fast as I can. <laughs> well, and I feel like what Dylan was talking about of, of the environment, he said the word family. To me, that means something different, but like um, the people you spend time with really matter. And Definitely. Like the other night when we missed our trip to Cancun or to Mexico that we'd been like really dying for. Me and my wife were going to go there for a wedding. We've oh, been yeah. looking forward to it. It's going to be the first time I got to ride my bike in like two months. I was just jonesing <laughs> and all of a sudden like a crazy blizzard happens out of my control. Boeing has a recall out of my control and I just got so down and I just like sat in a dark room by myself for like 30 minutes until Allie and Dylan came and found me and they're like, no, dude, like none of that is on you. We're going Mm -hmm. to make this awesome. And they like pulled me out of it versus I don't know if a lot of people have that environment. And again, that's just something I, I try and like having I want good to be friends to, to come pull you out of like shitty situation or whatever. I want to just remind you of 
like like you said, it's hard to keep that cavalier attitude of it's all going to be mm-hmm. fine. Exactly. It's really important to surround yourself with people who are outside of the eye of the storm mm-hmm. that can reach in and be like, see, it's just a storm. It's all, it's literally moving. It will pass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have um, a really good friend, Annabelle, who I was just on a shoot with, and she's always out of the storm. She's <clears throat> one of the chillest people I know and great, great human. But I was like about to do this drone shot up in the mountains and it was like a high pressure situation and I went to go launch my drone and it just stopped working and it needed to be recalibrated. And basically by that time that I realized that it was like too late and I just, yeah, I got like a little bit annoyed and Annabelle just kind of like brought me back down to earth and was like, yo, like this is not a big deal. And I was like, yo, you're like, you're right. You're right. Like, I, I appreciate that. And it's good to have those people around just like give you that little quick reminder. And yeah, it's good. So I'm like you said, it is a skill to, you know, push like push past those moments. And it's a skill that I think we're all working on. So, well, and you do need to have those people because when you're in that, you're never going to want to like reach out. Yeah. Right? You don't want to reach out to that. You want to be in that and just feel bad about yourself and all this. And yeah. then so you need the people that are going to to like come and pull you out of it. Like that's important. Yeah. I'm thinking of a very different drone situation. <laughs> There's so many drone situations, yeah. man. There's yeah. so many. The, the drones are they're so cool but they're also so frustrating. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess that's another cool thing we can talk about is you've done some really amazing videography projects. Like you've gotten to do some really cool stuff. Um, What are some of your favorite things you've got to work on project wise? I know you've taken some adventures overseas and like I feel like you've just done a lot and you've filmed a lot. What are some of the highlights from all that? Yeah, so there's been a bunch of different things to kind of like happen since I started videography and photography. A couple special projects that have just been on my mind and um, have been in the mix lately. Um, One of them is called Dad Ventures, and Dad Ventures is a series that follows dads around the globe um, doing adventures, could be anything, with their sons or daughters. What? And that's the greatest thing ever. So we have a pilot episode out right now um, with my good friend Wade Holland and his dad, Pat Holland. And Pat Holland is a very smart doctor. Um, I can't remember exactly what kind of doctor he is, but he's a doctor that lives in Montana. Um, OBGYN. Oh, doctor. yeah. Mm. Super specific. Um, so he goes on adventures with Wade in the Montana backcountry. And basically we spent a whole week um, shooting with uh, Pat and Wade, um, basically doing a dad venture in the Montana backcountry. Um, We went in on snowmobiles, brought all of our equipment on sleds to this little cabin that their buddy Timmy had out in the out in the backcountry. And we set up shop in there. And then for the next like, you know, week we went out and did all these shots of the dad venture and kind of told the story through a pilot episode. So we're hoping to to get this off the ground. And we showed it um, at the last 14er film festival here in Denver at 14er Brewing and got some really, really good feedback for it. So I think Dad Ventures is 
is going to be a, a winner. Dude, so. sight unseen, I'm signing up Party Dave right now. <laughs> My dad, Party Dave. All right, let's go. Let's get For Party real. Dave. He lives down in Durango. We could oh, do perfect. something like within two months. Cool. He's the I mean, best. He goes sailing. He goes to Everest Base Camp. What? Like, he went to Everest Base Camp for his 60th. He's climbed Kilimanjaro with Holy two shit. kidney stones. He gave a, a homemade sand rail to a blind kid growing up. Holy He's shit. He's the best, yeah. I didn't know that one. He wow. like, taught the kid how to drive this thing blind. So the kid would that operate seems- the gas and brake, and he would drive for him. And then when he moved out of that town... He just like I don't know what the specifics are, but he like gave the kid the buggy, which that's the kind of stuff where like I guarantee that person's in a totally different place because they experience the freedom of everyone should have said no, you shouldn't drive that thing. But my dad's I mean, definitely the kind of, right. of. I mean, you're blind. <laughs> but that's right. my dad of being like, no, we'll work a way around it. Let's find a fun way to like get you involved. Yeah, that's, no, cool. that's, so, that's really cool. Yeah, we're sure. totally down. That's awesome, I'm well, signing dude. Him up let's already. let's get him on the on a dad venture. Let's let's seriously plan for it. Yeah, it we're going awesome. to the sand dunes next month. Oh, cool! We could like go to the alligator farm down there. I bet oh, I love enough- that. Have you been to the UFO farm down or the no. UFO watchtower? It's I'm, literally right across from the I'm alligator down. farm. Dude, let's do and all. It's I've funny. Seen that, it's yeah. funny that you mentioned that because Wade, um, the son of the dad. Um, he ah, <laughs> dead battery. Should we pause? Camera three. No, keep going. We'll just okay. take a different angle. Yeah. So, what was it? Okay. The so Wade. Yeah. yeah. The 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 son of the dad for the mm-hmm. dad venture. Um, me and him were actually at the sand dunes not too long ago, and we stopped at the alligator farm. We stopped at the UFO watchtower, and we were shooting content um, for Colorado Native Beer, and we were doing a sand skiing. Yeah. So we, like, ripped the sand dunes on some Meyer skis and Colorado Native, like, collab skis, and it was, yeah, it was a really cool project. We, like, went back there and camped for the night. Um, it was a really long hike in because we hiked all the way up to Star Dune, which is the highest Dude, those dunes sand dune. huge. Yeah, so Star Dune is the highest sand dune in North America, and we were basically camping right below it, so in the morning we could go up and send Star Dune. That's sick. Yeah, yeah it was dude, really cool. I'm fully down for all of this shenanigans. That's the greatest <laughs> idea. I love the idea of dad ventures. Like, right. That's such a a joy quota idea of like everything should be awesome. Like everyone has a story. There's just because you're a dad doesn't mean life's over. Like it means you get this whole new door to enter through and see where it leads instead of like life's over. Yeah, for sure. And I think a big part of it too is, you know, like dads have a lot of knowledge and like, you know, share it on an adventure. Absolutely. It's really cool. Just kind of tying that in with like, you know, doing cool shit with your dad. Dude, I'm, uh, dude. Even uh, my dad's the my real dad. Papa Fole. Yeah. We call Dylan Papa Fole, but yeah, Bruce Fole would be an awesome. We're building a race car right now. Oh, this is already uh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he got me. He's gotten me into like anything I've done. I've taken to another level, but he's the one that got me into it. I mean, we had a a boat and we're wakeboarding when I was ten or younger, whatever. I mean, he made me switch from skiing to snowboarding when I was 12, <laughs> and I hated it. I was so miserable. Uh, and we still go now. That's amazing. Um, what else? Uh, he took us paragliding. Nice. For our birthdays last <clears throat> year. 
Like all of it. Yeah, Bruce is cool. That's awesome. Where where was the paragliding at? Glenwood Springs. Nice. I was uh, shooting some paragliding this morning, actually, um, with my good friend Arion Tudor. She's like a real badass um, paraglider and figure skater. And we were working on a, a project this morning in Boulder. Um, she was doing some flying and just going up, <laughs> soaring for a few hours while we did shots. And we had the radio just like, hey, like Arion, come over here for this shot or whatever, like come fly down here. And yeah, what? she's she's a total badass and her dad holds some like crazy hang gliding record. And yeah, she so she like flies from Boulder all the way to, you know, Lions, Colorado yeah. Springs. She's flew to like almost Loveland Pass before yeah. and, and all the way back to Boulder, just it's in the crazy same flight. how far you can go. Yeah. I was talking to someone about that. They were saying like, you can go like pretty much anywhere through there that isn't too, too high. Yeah. Like, that seems to be the big limiting factor as you run right. out of air. But like <laughs> the fact that you can go to Lions and back just like yeah. hanging out. Well, exactly. He just likes Lions because there's pinball there. That so is pinball, true. Pinball, go there to Lions, you know, land, grab a beer, launch, go back to Boulder, get in your car, go home. What is, what is that? I wonder if you could launch, though. Could you? Yeah. it's kind of flat. Yeah, I think there's there's got to be a launch in Lions because she, I don't know, she flies back to Boulder. So. Yeah. I would assume you oh, just, like, hitchhike land. a ride I figured up to she, the like, goes there, like, looks at it, and then comes oh, back. Oh, no, yeah, you land, you land get, a, an get a brewski, <laughs> get an Oscar <laughs> yeah. bl- Blues brewski, and then go back. But, yeah, my I recently went paragliding, and so my first time paragliding was an interesting experience. Um my friend Marcos, who has been paragliding pretty much his whole life, and he now owns a company called Atlas Digital, and they do marketing and stuff. And I was doing um, video for one of his clients who's a doctor in Boulder, and um, he was there with me, and, you know, we finished the shoot, and we're like, awesome, we, we crushed it. Um, and then Marcos was like, hey, dude, like, I got my uh, tandem paraglider rig in the car. Like, do you want to go for a, a ride really quick? And I was like, um, you didn't really give me any notice, but yeah, let's go. And he like, we were already like pretty much only five minutes away from the hill. So I was like, all right, this is already getting real. Yes. <laughs> That's so the best. literally I went from my, you know, professional, like, all right, I'm here on a job. Let's get this done. Be professional to like, I'm about to fly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we went up. We parked his car and then we took an Uber to the top of uh, this one of the hills in Boulder. And you wow. get off, do a quick little hike That's to the ridge. That's something that I think has probably changed those like, type of sports that exactly. I didn't even think about. It's like any kind of like longboarding or paragliding where you don't want to walk your ass up the hill, you can just Uber up. Yeah, yeah that's brilliant. game changing. That was my yeah, first thought not. as soon as the sentence came out. I was yeah, like, "Yeah, that's really." Oh, brilliant. there's so many people in those sports that were just like, as soon as they saw Uber was a thing, yeah, like, done. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we took the Uber up there, and uh, he like gave me, you know, this harness or whatever. Is like, all right, hop in, boom, you're good, you're strapped in, and then he strapped me onto the paraglider, and like, the, I'm in front of him. Like, and so he's like getting everything ready and he's like, all right, man, like when I tell you to go, like just run as fast as you can off this steep ass hill. So I'm like, all right, sure. Like I, I trust you. You know, I've seen your videos, you paragliding and I, I know how much what? of a badass you are. So I, I guess I trust you with this. And um, yeah, sure enough, like I started 
running and it was really hard to like run off the hill but soon like sooner than like soon enough it just like whoosh, it just took took you up and it pulls you up like so fast like the thermals were really strong that day so um yeah we just plopped right up and he was soaring like over the cliffs with me and i'm just sitting there like on the front literally with like my feet dangling like looking below at boulder like the best view i'm sure best view and he's like eventually he's like starts doing these like movements where you spiral down yeah and holy shit my stomach was sinking so hard I was like, bro, we need to slow down a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to throw up. But it was really cool. It was great experience and um, definitely was like a joy quota filling moment. Like it definitely yeah. filled my joy quota. Totally. After I did that, I was juiced. Like oh, I had I never bet. done. That was a new experience, you know? New experiences are crazy. I was The just first time say. riding a bike, like I, I forget what that feels like. It's been forever, but first time paragliding, it's like a fresh feeling. Yeah. So I'm just like, holy shit, this is crazy. I feel like that's come up pretty consistently. Like the f doing something new always fills the joy quota. Like best question to ask yourself is when was the last time you did something for the first time? It does, even if it's like the smallest thing. It makes such a big difference if it's genuinely the first time you've ever done it. Like, yeah, actually, oh, uh, I made a pizza. I was my literally house from scratch, or like anything. <laughs> you'll feel so pumped because it's new and it's exciting. It keeps life interesting. Yeah, definitely. It's funny that you brought up the pizza because I was for some reason I was like, oh, like I remember like cooking sweet potato fries and it was so simple. But I was like, yo, I love sweet potato fries. I need to learn how to cook these things for myself. Yes. So I did, <laughs> and I was eating them, and I was like hell yeah, this is awesome. Like freaking just made my own sweet potato fries. This is cool. Maybe yeah. That's learn what's something awesome. new. Yeah. It doesn't have to be gliding off of a cliff. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to be that. Yeah. That's really awesome. But it could be, you know, make some sweet potato fries. Yeah, exactly. Like I, that's the perfect example of like jumping off of a cliff and paragliding five minutes after you found out you were going to do it. It's probably more juice, but it still fills up the tank to just make no some doubt. sweet potato fries for the first time. I <laughs> felt that same feeling. Dylan introduced me to eating sweet potato. I'd never had one in my entire life, well into my 20s. Really? And Dylan got me... The only reason I even stopped eating bagel bites consistently is Dylan Foley. He's gotten me to a place where <laughs> I eat so much better than I used to. Which and is I still funny don't because eat it, great. chips and salsa is like a, a staple meal for him. Yeah, dude, it's basically a, my so that, that's way of getting than, vegetables. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't teach you that. I, no. I won't take credit for that one. Um, that's my own creativity right there. No, uh, literally, I remember that same feeling of like, I just cooked my own food F for the first time. I made like a meal. I made protein that wasn't hamburger helper. Right. And I made be, like a real meal. We didn't meal. live together. Actually, you were on it, like with your sweet potatoes and broccoli and whatever meat. Yeah, like that's that was your. That meal. was when I took my. And then now it's it's uh, I don't know chips and salsa and. I've been pretty good since the six pack challenge started. <laughs> Mexico Mexico trip, quote unquote, okay, doesn't that's count. Fair, that's fair. But I feel like I've been pretty solid. That but that literally like so big that the smallest things can make these huge joy quota moments Yeah. where all of a sudden you're like this rush of endorphins every single time you do something new because there's some degree of uncertainty there no matter how small.
Definitely. And then you're going to take that experience and that feeling and then go back to, you know, maybe something you're working on and have a fresh outtake on it. Yeah. That's why, you know, if I'm like editing or something or I'm working on a project, I'll just take some time to like just go outside and just sit there, just do nothing and come back inside with a fresh perspective. And, you know, it could be anything. I could go for a bike ride, could go make some sweet potato fries. Yeah, totally. And then get back to work and then have a fresh perspective. And I think creativity is one of like actually the hardest part of like some of the work that I do is like, okay, I, I really need to like keep my ideas fresh. And before that is like keeping my mind fresh and like keeping my ideas, you know, flowing and that, you know, that can be difficult sometimes. And sometimes that's harder than just the physical work. Yeah. Is trying to be, you know, new and, and real. So bring fresh ideas to the table, I think is a challenge, you're but it has a big payoff. Yeah. So, I mean, you're speaking straight into our life. Like we're, everything we're doing with the YouTube channel and this, like we have many, many brainstorming sessions of just like, all right, we need, we want to not even like need to, cause you need to, but like, that's irrelevant. Like we want to come up with fun, creative, new ideas even if it's right. not new to the world like it's new to us true true true. and yeah it's you're right it's so much harder than actually doing the thing is sitting there and letting yourself come up with ideas and right not, um, just kind of letting that creativity take place and letting yeah. your mind really create something amazing definitely and i think you know like it is hard but at the same time i feel like you shouldn't think too too hard about it yeah, it's not you a know? thinking, it's like a listening exercise. It's, it is a listening exercise, you know, listening to, you know, whatever that could be, different inspirations that you have, different thoughts that are running through your mind. Depends on the project, obviously, yeah. you know. And I think another big thing about it, too, is once you have your idea and once that comes through, during the process of, you know, either it could be creating a photo shoot, creating a video, anything to do creativity, creatively, um, I think you know, from your original thought of what this would look like from the beginning to the end point, it actually ends up always being a lot different than you think, but it always, you know, is what needs to be. So things go through a big process of the creation. Things are always changing and, you know, a project will never, never be a hundred percent how you want it to be. No, (laughs) that's for sure. So true. But it's always better. Right. I think, yeah. I mean, almost, almost always, almost always, uh, yeah. almost always. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, you have to choose to look at it that way. Yeah. You have to choose to look at it that way. Right. That's true. Cause yeah. either like it worked, if it genuinely worked exactly the way that perfect example, we sled it off the roof the other day and Dylan and I, which that idea by the way came just because I was walking from the garage to the house while there was snow on the ground. And I was like, I bet you could sled off that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so it was just listening exercise. That, well, the idea yeah. came up and I mean, we were just open observing. to listening to it. Listening. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right word for it. To me, it's more like observing. That's okay. Taking it in. Right. But observing. it's very much like a passive yeah. thing. It's not like you're creating ideas. It's yeah. you're receiving them. You're mm-hmm. open to it. Continue. Open to it. No, no, observing. no. That, yeah. I, didn't, I, I interrupted you. I just wanted to say, like, we're talking about where ideas come from and that specific one. Yeah, this just literally fall into my brain because I was walking the 10 feet from our garage to our back door Mm -hmm. and there's a perfect roof to sled off of. So 
Well, and that's a, an example of something that went exactly the way that we planned it. Like literally, we were like, we should do this. We spent several hours building up the landing <laughs> and then first try, it worked perfectly. And we did it four or five times and we immediately were like, well, that was honestly kind of boring. Like who would have guessed that sledding off of the roof wasn't exciting, <laughs> but it's because it worked first try, no problems. Like True. it worked exactly like what we had in our mind where we would just build a landing and it would be flawless. And that's exactly what happened. And then it turned into us setting the snow on fire and making this like crazy event out of it. But that's- That was the starting that's point. That's the part we never would have pictured. True. And that's where it ended up. And True. that's where like it ended up better than what we had pictured. It's a very good, it's a very good example of that. True. And then you start throwing backflips on the sled too. Dude, yeah. Next, I think that's next stop next is to level. drop in surfer style. Ooh. Hit me up when you guys do that. I actually want to sled off the roof. Yeah, it's a good way to break a collarbone, I'm sure. (laughs) But it'd be sick. So, yeah, we have the snow skate, and I wanted to do it so bad. But the... By then, we chopped away the whole landing. Well, no, that wasn't even it. It's the fence, and then the corner of the garage is so precarious. Like, I just pictured my face going into the chain link fence is what I pictured. It was oh, tight yeah. quarters. The corner of the, the garage and just yeah mm-hmm. smashing, my, smashing my teeth out is my, like, one – is probably my biggest fear. Really? Um, Ooh, pretty yeah. much, yeah. I don't know. My, I, think my, I think my biggest fear, yeah, to, would be to, like, be paralyzed or, like, just, I don't know, be blind or – I think yeah. blind. Blind, I think, I, think blind I would, would be – that's know. like such a freak thing that I don't know how. Is yeah. it anymore? Right. Yeah. Versus but then like again, it's like actually I, mean, I know Allie's mom knows a guy. She went and took care of him the other day. Huge shout out to her for being an amazing person. Uh, this dude sneezed real hard, and it detached his retinas. And you weren't blind from sneezing. Yeah. Oh, I've actually heard yeah. about that happening. Uh, they you were like able. Clo- they were able to do a lot of closed. work on him, and like I think he has his vision back mostly in one eye or something like wow. that. But yeah, Jesus. like as crazy as it is. Sneezing? No, dude. With your eyes closed. No. So yeah, sneezing it. with your eyes closed. If you force your eyes to stay closed, that's what I've heard. Will like. I figured it'd be like an open. Uh, who sneezes with their eyes open? Or wait, no, you're right. It's the other I way around. I was like, what? Sneezing, sneezing with your eyes open. Yeah. I don't know the It'll specifics like, and who knows, like that's like fifth hand information. So it's probably played telephone a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. It, uh, but all the more important to like really choose wisely, like Dylan did. Like we both looked at the situation where like snow skates are impossible to ride to begin with, much less like if we lay down horizontally, we're touching the fence and the garage. So like if we fall, the only option is to hit one of those things. Yeah. Versus in a sled, like you can kind of crash and you're still moving forward. But uh, I feel like you've done a lot of really fun stuff. And speaking of creative, I know that uh, you've gotten a chance to do some really fun trolling that most people have <laughs> never had a chance to do. Tell us about <laughs> that. Cause I feel like that's, a, again, just being open to the opportunity for creative, uh, yeah. uh, creative inspiration where all of a sudden you're like, this is a thing I can do. I need to do this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I have a friend, Marquette King. He was the punter on the Oakland Raiders for a few years, I think. And he got traded to the Denver Broncos. 
and he, I, I met him through my friend Anna and basically Marquette hit me up and was like, hey man, um, Anna told me you did videos and um, you know I'm playing for the Broncos and um, I want to make a video about Chucky. And so do you guys know who Chucky is? I do not follow sports close enough. Yeah, and I didn't either before this. And I didn't, I was like, okay, tell me more. So Chucky is apparently the nickname of the Oakland Raiders coach. Okay. Because mm. he looked like he looks like the Chucky doll. <laughs> um, so he's like, I want to make this video about Chucky. And I'm going to post it after our big game with the Raiders when we win. <laughs> yes, that's the kind of confidence I can get behind. Yeah, yeah, solid confidence. And I was like, all right, man, I'm with you. I'm with the confidence. Let's do this. You guys are going to win. So uh, <clears throat> he basically had this idea to do a video um, just punting Chucky, punting a Chucky doll off a parking garage in Denver. Very, nice. very simple. And um, so I was like, all right, um, meet me at this parking garage. I think this would be a good spot. Um, so I, I met him there, met Marquette King there, and he showed up with the Chucky doll and a bottle of wine. And we set up a sh little video of him, you know, punting this Chucky doll off of the parking garage full stuffed full of money. Um, what? That is such <laughs> a good twist. And it's kind of like a, you know, metaphor for Chucky being paid like so much money um, you know, I think for a team, for a team, so well. for a team well, you know, that's doing well. I don't know. I don't no, follow football, but, but you know, I'm sure it's like notoriously terrible of, of recent years. Well, there's more to it, I think, because he like, I don't think he's been the coach for very long. Like he, uh, he, went okay. a, he was and I could be totally wrong. I could be thinking about something okay. else, but I think he went away and then came, just came back pretty recently and got a massive contract to turn the team around, I, I believe okay. is the story. Okay, for sure. But yeah, I don't know. Football has a lot of drama going on with it. And Marquette is actually one of the most genuine people I've ever met. And he's kind of just like, bro, I, I ain't with all this football drama. He's like, I That's just want to be myself. Yes. And that also kind of is why I think Chucky didn't like him, maybe. Chucky and him had beef. Uh -huh. So that's why we ended up doing this video. Um, but basically, awesome. it's a video of him punting a Chucky doll off of the roof of, par of a parking garage. Um, so the video starts out, he's sitting on the ledge of the, the parking garage, and the Chucky doll is sitting there. And they kind of have, like, the stare, stare down. And then Marquette walks towards him, bent, kneels down next to the Chucky doll, and then you see a shot of the Chucky's, Chucky doll's eyes. And also, I should say, Marquette is also very talented in music. So he made a track for this video what? that was based off of like the Chucky theme song or something. Okay. And he like added some flair to it. So it was like kind of dope. And it was like suspenseful also. So that's the video. And he bends down and he grabs a Chucky doll, punts it off the roof. But I have to say that only one part of this video was ever released before he punted the doll off of the roof. And it was released... Um, well, he told me, he's like, I only want to release half of this before I punt the doll, and then I'm going to release the next part when we beat the Raiders again. Okay. So I was like, all right, man, sure. So sure enough, I was watching the game, like, with all my family and stuff, and they were, like, they beat the Raiders, and then sure enough, 
Marquette posted the video on Twitter and within like a couple hours it had, you know, probably close to 100,000 views. That's nuts. Mm. And so this video blew up and it was on USA Today, ESPN, kind of uh, Barstool Sports and yeah, all these like huge. crazy. If it's on Barstool, that's yeah. giant. So, that's that that's like, bigger <laughs> to me than USA Today. And keep in mind, this was only before he punted the doll. Yeah. So he didn't even punt the doll. All he did was look at it and kneel down by the Chucky doll. And for some reason, people thought this video was so funny. And USA Today even had a quote um, that said something along the lines of, um, we're pretty like surprised Marquette, you know, posted this video right after they won. And like the production value of it is really high. And I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know? that's a compliment. Shot, they, it, shot they it on my A7S2. Did they, did they credit you? Um, Marquette credited me in the actual post, but USA Today didn't, they didn't credit me. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. Mm. Uh, I I, yeah. That's kind of a bummer. It's I mean, that's uh, hey. that's our. We can. That's another discussion. That's another discussion. That's a whole another discussion. Down a very different rabbit hole. Yeah. But anyways, the video pretty much went viral, and then I was like, "Yo, Marquette, when are we like? We should just post part two. And then he's like, uh, "Coach of the Broncos told me not to post part two. Oh, <laughs> oh no. what a classy move. But I get it. Like, I get it, but I feel I like know. he should have just rebel run it. Yeah. What's, he's That's an NFL the, player. Yeah. I get it too, anyway, so yeah. he's gone. We got a new it's not even a new that, It's not even like, oh, no, bro, it's just him punting the Chucky doll off the roof and then money flies everywhere. Dude, how great. Is he still playing for the Broncos? Um, No, he oh. is. He's not playing for the Broncos anymore, um, but I think he is actually going to be going to another team. Maybe I'm not. I'm not sure how what he's doing. Was he in like a jersey or anything when he did the stare down and all that? No, just his regular clothes. If whenever he's on like the next team, if they yeah. beat the Raiders, and then just like he doesn't even let you know, just all of a sudden he posts the right. second he half should. of the video. That'd be freaking hilarious. Yeah, so the second half of the video is literally just sitting on my hard drive, um, and also the Chucky doll sitting. In my closet. Wow, so, you kept it. I don't know. Maybe I should like auction off the doll plus a single copy of the second half on eBay. Well, what that single think? copy is about to be a thousand jillion copies as soon as you give it away. Right. I don't think I should give yeah. it away. No, you might be able to get away with the Chucky doll, though. I could give the well, Chucky doll away. But the part two of the video. You should sign it and send know. it to him. You got to. Like now, it's not gonna be worth anything because it's too long ago. People don't, are not gonna remember. You gotta wait till he beats the Raiders, <laughs> put out part two, and then auction off the Chucky doll with that. Like, call up <laughs> Get him to today. sign it. <laughs> yeah, you like, can both the sign the Chucky doll. Right, oh, but that man. was funny, That's man. That was sweet. it's. It was funny getting to work with Marquette, and he's an awesome human and really creative. And I think the NFL actually needs more players like him. Yeah, I feel like there's actually been, like, a transition. Like, I feel like Von Miller's, like, a surprisingly wonderful all-around person. Yeah, he's a cool human. There's a lot of people, I feel like, turning up in the NFL where they're not viewing it as, like... I I don't think by any means it's anything too crazy, but, like, I think there's a lot of people in the NFL who have recently started seeing it as, like, this is my job. I'm blessed to get to do this. And I'm not supposed to take this life or death. Like, right. this is something that I get to do. And this is something I'm in the entertainment mm-hmm. business. And it has no effect over whether or not I have to be a good person or like whether mm-hmm. or not I 
like you said, he has so many other talents outside of football, and like he's he's a well-rounded individual. Versus before, I guess maybe we're just now learning about it, and it's mm-hmm. always been that way. But I feel like growing up, football players were always just like only football, nothing else mattered. Versus now, like you see so many NFL players who have crazy passions outside of football. I think it's more the perception because I I bet they were always doing it. It's just now the NFL with some of the thing, yeah. the heat that they're taking over concussions and stuff, that they think they can counteract that with like charity stuff, which I don't think you can. But um, it's yeah. awesome that that's happened. Like the concussions is a whole another thing, which sucks. Yeah. But I'm the biggest football fan in the world, so I like play right into it. I don't. I, yeah, I mean, it's not, I'm all for turning weird. them into real people instead of turning them oh, into totally. like these crazy. Like, yeah, you see all these, like uh, Von Miller, just did a podcast where he, like, right away you're like, oh, he's just like a regular dude mm-hmm. who just has a cooler job than I do. <laughs> like that's really all you're like. He's just like seems like a fun yeah. guy. He just happens to have a way cooler job than me. Yeah, and I think that's important like if you have a big following to, you know, be real and, you yeah. know, live that, you know, I'm just a normal person. You know, you can do this too. Because if you don't, then people are going to be like, "Oh, this life is so unattainable or whatever, you know. Just be real." Which I think goes back to that billionaire question we started with, right? Definitely. Like, I, I think it does. In all seriousness, like Dylan mentioned it's a big responsibility to be a billionaire. It's not just a privilege. That's part of the responsibility is being like, nothing about me is different other than our income. Right. Other than that, me and every other person, we are in essence the same. We're all bleeding the same blood. We're all people. Right. And I think we're all going to die someday. Yeah. I think that's something that honestly, I feel like just in general society has been a lot better about, as of recently anyways like in some ways worse but in a lot of ways i feel like we've made leaps and bounds of of where Mm -hmm. no one is really so high on a pedestal or like we're we're really finding except for kylie jenner yeah i was literally just thinking kardashian yeah they're on the pedestal but i mean you're not everyone else is you're not going to be a hundred for a (laughs) hundred but i mean that's that's kind of something that i feel like a lot of realness, as you've been saying, or like just being genuinely authentic mm-hmm. has been promoted and accepted as a real value. Yeah. And I think just leaning more and more into that, I think is Yeah, is and I think solution. just being real with yourself and, you know, not like, you know, if you, if you were like the Kardashians, like, would you really be living your best life? It seems like a lot of work when I see people. That's who have what to it put seems on like on the outside, but you know, is it really? Yeah, it seems like being anything other than yourself seems mm-hmm. like a lot of work. Like, I know some people where being this giant extravagant character is actually who they are. Like, as silly as it sounds. Oh yeah. To me, it looks exhausting because I'm well, only capable are, yeah. of just like. I want you to know. All of my flaws, all of my strengths, as soon as I meet you, so that we can just get real as quick as possible. Versus, <laughs> I know some really wonderful people, some close friends, where they are this giant character and they're always on, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I honestly judged them until one day it kind of dawned on me where I was like, that is actually them being authentic. Yeah. Like, as weird as it sounds, like, 
to not be on and to not be playing this extravagant character would actually be dishonoring themselves. Yeah, exactly. Which is like a weird principle, and it gave me a lot of love and compassion where I used to get really frustrated, where I'd be like, mm. wow, I can't believe so-and-so is... Why are they so like... Yeah, or like I called them up and I just wanted to have a real conversation and they couldn't mm -hmm. drop the act. <laughs> but it allowed me to see a lot of compassion there where yeah. all of a sudden it's like, oh no, like that is them really living them best, their best self and, yeah. and living truly authentic to themselves. Where to me it looks exhausting. To them, that's probably filling themselves up and I'm sure they take moments alone where they can kind of be off or at least I hope mm -hmm. they do. But that was a big thing for me. And I feel like that's probably an accurate point with what you were talking about with like Kylie Jenner and all them were like, I honestly think that really gives them a lot of juice and fills their joy quotas, like being on and getting to be this overly important person. You're right. Versus no matter how important I ever become, I want to be this unimportant yeah. or like I'm just in that's a, a podcast room in a booth that's semi paid for <laughs> and just like we're we're just hanging out versus there's some people where they that actually gives them kind of a purpose and fills them up well it's funny there was a conversation I was having at the trails today actually about my Instagram persona yeah seems like he he was even like you seem like you would be exhausting to be around. <laughs> and I, I, really? Yeah, because of my of my Instagram page, and that's because you like, hang off cranes. Well, but that's only part of it, <laughs> and like, so I just need to do a better job, and I I think I I've tried to more recently uh, trying to be more real and authentic on my on my social media because I don't want it to be like that. Like yeah. I want, mm -hmm. and it's not that that's not authentic, but like, I feel like, I hope I'm not exhausted to be around. I no. guess I mean like, yeah, or no. just like a, a lot to be around. Like if anything of the two of us, I feel like I'm far more exhausted. Right. In, in real life. Yes, <laughs> yeah. for sure. But the perception that I am, end yeah. up portraying online isn't doesn't line up to to my personality and hmm. that's something that I need to work on and I I don't think it has to line up with your personality. I don't think your lifestyle has to line up. You could be I like think this it just needs crazy to be person that it's it's playing a character, right? Like no one's looked at someone who's an actor and been like why aren't you playing like no one goes up to Bruce Willis expecting him to be John McClane, right? They're like, you were clearly being <laughs> something so that it was entertaining versus right. if you're portraying yourself as being yourself and trying to be authentic, then I think it's important. But saying like, like a big shout out to Big Daddy, like he's a lot, but he's also very different than who he portrayed himself in the beginning of like his kind of blow up with BMX, he he became a character because it was interesting and it was fun and it gave a lot of people mm -hmm. laughs and joy, but it wasn't like anyone actually thought he was that person. Right. Or that was where the, that was where the, I guess the line started blurring and, and that's where like things might've gotten weird is when people really thought he was that ins crazy dude when like 
he has a kid and he's a good dad and like he really loves BMX and there's a lot of things about him that maybe didn't come out and I think it's really easy to get sucked in. That's why I don't uh-huh. mess with social media because I know I'm a show pony <laughs> and I, if I, I can't help myself. If there's an audience, I'm going to turn it on. Uh-huh. And so I, I don't, I don't, I literally turned off everything. I'll, all that I'll do now is just like share our joy quota stuff and that's because I feel it's really authentic and cool. I want people to see it. Yeah. But it's for that same reason of I can't not turn it on and, and yeah. kind of turn into this alter ego. Yeah, that's cool. I think, you know, social media, like, you know, pretty much everyone's on social media now. And I don't think that, you know, in my mind, I would try not to, you know, if I see someone like, you know, some famous like photographer or something mm-hmm. like I try not to be like, oh, like I wish I had their life or something like that, you know, because I know that they're their own person and you know I, I just don't really see that kind of stuff i just see humans and people doing their thing so i don't know i just i don't know it's weird it's a I, weird thing i think you're describing what everyone would hopefully grow into which is you're looking at the account understanding it's an account you're seeing the best exactly you're seeing the best a lot right. of people are seeing yeah. social media posts like i think assuming that's directly that's their life. And all those guys gals got big is everyone assumed that's their day-to-day life right like none of them like kylie wasn't posting about getting like an ingrown hair because of a (laughs) accident or something you know like the real human aspects of being any just a human got kind of left out and it got kind of glamorized and i think it's so easy to fall into that versus because we all want to think like that's why superhero movies are so big is we all want life to be more grandiose mm, than it is. Right. And I think that's part of what Joy Quota is all about is remembering that life is already unfathomably awesome. Definitely. Literally unfathomably awesome. So there's no need to try and glamorize it. No all need. of the best parts of life come from the reality of life. Definitely. Just being alive and, and sharing that experience with others. Definitely. Like human to human interaction is kind of like, I don't know, it's a little bit lost Mm -hmm. now. And that's why I love doing like this podcast and other things where I can interact with people. And it's actually a big reason why I love my job is because I get to like talk to so many cool people and just see their experiences and see people for who they are, not who their social media account is or whatever. And you know, social media is great. That's your portfolio. Cool. But that's not that person. That's yeah. just their digital archive online yeah. that they're posting a photo with like some words, yeah. you know, that's n- nothing compared to like here and now mm-hmm. it's really nothing, but it has become a big part of our lives. And, you know, Instagram, Facebook has, is definitely great. And I, I love the platforms and I try to use them to my advantage and I post, you know, my best, I do post my best stuff on there, but I also use that to be real and try to post about, you know, some things that are like happening in my life that are like not all glamorous and what have you, you know? So, well, side note. And for a photographer, it's a little bit weird because you, you do want to have your stuff out there. You know, yeah. it's, it is important as a photographer and videographer. So, well, that was the side note I was getting into is like, you guys both bear a responsibility that I've never had to deal with, which is 
something I never even thought of till now is you are trying to tell someone else's story. True. When you make an edit for someone or like I'm picturing all the BMX edits that Dylan has made or some of the different edits and and films and projects that you've been involved in, uh, like the one that you're working on right now, you're literally trying to tell a narrative. And what's it like trying to thread that needle of making something interesting in a way that's authentic to where you're not going to portray so-and-so in a light. Like you have to kind of keep it on track with, I'm trying to really share this person's vision Mm -hmm. and I'm the tool to make it happen. That's got to be such a a weird, gratifying responsibility (laughs) that I never even pictured till now. Yeah, it is. It is weird. And it's a, it's a whole process. And especially if you want to stay authentic, you know, I think for me, like, why I love shooting action sports and shooting with athletes is because that's their life and that's what they do. And I love being able to be in that experience with them and be able to capture that. And I think that to, to me at least makes me feel like I'm doing something authentic and real and meaningful. Um, and yeah, I, I, storytelling is is definitely a hard thing to do and it's hard to do authentically but i think if you have the right ingredients for it um then it it's a recipe for success but if you're trying very hard to make something happen then i just don't know if it's going to work you know if you're going to make if you're going to make art do the things that you want to do and that inspires you no matter what it is yeah And I think that's why I, you know, kind of picked up photography through mountain biking is because I've always loved mountain biking. And that was always kind of like a thing that I felt really passionate about. And to like merge photography with that was pretty cool experience. And that definitely like made me realize more possibilities. And, you know, I just I loved just going out there to the trails with my friends, with my camera to capture that. And I think, shit, probably some of the very first videos I did are probably the most authentic videos I've ever done and probably ever will do. Like the very first videos that I've ever done. Because you didn't have the skill to hide anything but the truth. Exactly, exactly. So I think literally like the first video I ever done was probably the most authentic and just down the line they get less and less authentic. Actually, I wouldn't say that. It probably gets to a place where you're really proud of your skills and you kind of use those skills to make yourself seem better or different or like probably not even on purpose, right? Like mm-hmm. you you would genuinely be proud because you're getting better at this thing. Right. And then all of a sudden you realize you've got the skills. I, what I'm missing is what I loved about it when I first started. And you come exactly. back to a place where you're more authentic. Exactly. And I always try to come back to that place and remember why I started doing this. And if I can remember that before I start a project, then, then I'm doing it for the right reasons. Amen. That's awesome. How about you, Dylan? I got to say uh, um, yeah. really quick, actually. Um, so when <clears throat> I was first starting, like, you know, I was getting into photography and videography, I would be inspired by all these mountain bike videos and photography that I would see. And actually Dylan, <laughs> one of his videos, like I remember watching it and it was the one with Jake Kinney, um, the one that you did at night. Yeah. And I was I like, wow, like this is like a really sick video and it was really clean and I was like this shit makes me feel something and that video like definitely played a a role in like inspiring me to like create videos around mountain biking and 
BMX, whatever. That was pretty sick. I'm dead um, serious. Like, yeah. I remember that video vividly watching it, and I was like, wow, this is sick. That's awesome. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> it's weird because at, you know at the time you don't really think of it like that but that that's you were just doing it goal. for you yeah. that, that's certainly the goal is to make people feel something um and you know so to to hear that that is effective is is awesome of course um Look at Dylan. She's <laughs> cool. Yeah, I mean, because he had mentioned that before when we were talking on Instagram. By the way, is how Connor came to be on the podcast. <laughs> oh, this is the first time <laughs> hearing that story. I'm like seconds away from crying because I'm a mushball. Um, this is full joy quarter right now. I'm literally like <laughs> maxed out. Shit. I'm gonna have to go home and Allie have to like ring well, me out. And it <laughs> and it is it, it's just rare to hear stuff like that and so it is cool to share because it's so easy to like like we've talked about it on other podcasts but like it's so easy to find something to hate and I feel like I was in it at a time where everybody liked to hate on everything like it was a full like peak of the come up and and all this where it was just like like you post something and everybody immediately hates it Mm-hmm. And whether they hate the video or the writing or, or whatever, it doesn't matter. But they they love to be haters. Yeah. For sure. and, uh, <laughs> so you know when I don't I don't know why I, even, I just kept doing it anyway because I didn't give a shit. But of course people are gonna have something to say about a sick bike video. Yeah. They're pissed that they can't do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, that one that one was a cool one where like we got to use. A song from the movie Drive, which is one of my favorites. No way. Yeah, the song was dope. And yeah, the, the, vi- the editing and videography. Where did you guys film that at? That was in San Diego. I told you I was going to watch it to remind myself, and I didn't. I forgot. Cool. Um, it's okay. Link to the we video. Did, we <laughs> filmed it in San Diego, yeah. um, which is where Jake grew up. Cool. And, uh, I think we went and met his parents that, that trip. Oh, that's cool. It was... It was sweet. That was like when drones first came out. Yeah, I saw um, you had the drone shot in there too. I was like, holy shit, this was a was while that the ago. Was white drone? Yeah, well, no, it was the massive white oh. drone with the GoPro on yeah. it. And like, so trying to fly it at night was something that I had never done before. And like downtown San Diego, trying to right. fly in the streets. And it was, it was just gnarly, but. Uh, so did, could you see what you were filming like on your phone or anything or? Um... On that one, I can't remember it because at first, so I don't want to get down a technology rabbit yeah. hole too yeah. much, but <laughs> like, yeah, when you first, when drones first came out, whatever, five years ago, I just jumped on it because I thought it was so cool and you had to put the GoPro on it and I had to like the little s- stabilizer for the GoPro had to be well or uh, soldered into the power supply of the Phantom, the drone. Uh, and the battery only lasted like three minutes, so you had to like really be on it. Be on it, yeah. And um, I don't know, you when I first got it, you couldn't see, and then they came out with this transmitter thing, and I got the transmitter, but you have to like charge the battery for the transmitter and the drone, charge the drone battery, charge the GoPro. battery, <laughs> charge the GoPro, charge mm-hmm. the monitor that you're gonna watch it on, charge mm-hmm. the 
uh, controller thing. So you're like literally charging five things, and inevitably you forget to charge one thing, or it right. doesn't work. It doesn't plug in all the way, and like one thing, and then the whole thing is uh, a bust, and so you can't yeah. see what you're filming. It was just it's compared to now, where it just goes on your phone, and it's so easy to yeah. Yeah, the charge two in things. Your pocket. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty sweet. That's but, cool. Uh, yeah, I remember my friend Quinn filming me at Valmont Bike Park a long time ago with one of those drones that probably probably the same drone that you had. He's like, it lasts like five minutes, bro. Like, we got to get this quick. I'm like, all right, yeah. let's do it. So I like, just ripped on. a bunch of lines real quick, <laughs> just on the bike park. And yeah, Quinn, you you might know Quinn. The um, name Quinn, sounds Quinn Maxwell. He's he's also an inspiration to my videography career and he actually pulled me on one of my first uh jobs actually um i went on when i was like shit i honestly might have been like 14 when i was on like my first like film set um so quinn pulled me on i was like hey man i'm I'm starting to get into photography and stuff like i know you do it let me know if i can help you at all um so he's like actually i got this uh uh, documentary project that I'm working on called Ancient Tomorrow. And Ancient Tomorrow ended up being like at least a five-year thing for me. Um, but it's about um, the ancient, you know, power plants and the pyramids and how that all kind of used to be like a worldwide wireless energy system. Um, so it goes into exploring that. And yeah, there's some really, really cool um, stuff in there that I learned when I was working on it. And shit, I I believe some of it, some of it, I don't know. But yeah, that was uh, one of my first jobs and started working just as like a production assistant and second shooter. And um, that ended up at 14. And you're getting paid. Damn. I don't know if I was getting program. paid. I don't know if I was getting paid. You're yet. getting paid experience at a bare okay. minimum. Paid experience. Like, it was right, great. Right. I was so stoked to be there. Um, and then Quinn ended up leaving that production, and then I basically actually took over Quinn's position, and ed- ended up doing like a lot of the shooting on that documentary and a lot of the editing as well. Wow. Um, which was really cool. So that's it's available on like Netflix, I think Amazon and other streaming platforms, but it was a cool project to work on. And um, speaking of like first project that I ever got paid for, um, it was really cool. (laughs) And it was with plus size BMX. Um, They are just, they've been um, a big part of the Colorado kind of mountain bike scene and, you know, beyond Colorado too. Um, But I met that, uh, met Chris just through, you know, going to his events and, dirt jump competitions or what have you that he would put on. And, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm starting to do filming, like check out some of these videos I made of my friends. And he was like, okay, well, um, you know, Brian Banghart is throwing a jam in his backyard. Yeah. The golden trails. And we, you know, we want a video made for it. And I was like, all right, I would absolutely love to do this. Let me know what you need. And he's like, all right, I'm going to pay you like, I don't know, it's probably like 150 bucks or something, you know, not much, but for back then, shit, I'm getting paid 150 bucks Mm -hmm. to do like a video. What? Like, what is life? So showed up to Brian's yard. Of course, I'm going to bring my bike. I have to ride too. I can't just film, which lives true to today. And 
um, yeah, made the video. And um, while I was there, I was Shelby Smith. Shelby Smith was also there, and he's also another videographer that I looked up to. And I saw him like filming with the glide cam, and I was like, holy shit. I need one of those. He's probably getting some crazy shots right now, but it was cool to like film alongside him. And I can't remember who he was filming for, but it was cool getting to like film for plus size BMX. My first job ever was something that I was passionate about, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So I mean, super cool. I wonder, I must not have, was I there? Do you remember? Shit. You might've been, were you in Cali then? No, you had to have been. It was there. a sweet jam. Because I don't remember ever having a jam at his house. He had he had rad jumps. They were super fun. Yeah, whole, huge yard full. Of yeah, yeah. before he moved out, he threw like a yeah. giant jam. It's like yeah, a maybe right before what, he moved out. Yeah. Okay, then maybe I I wasn't I was in California by then because yeah I don't I don't remember ever having jam. But okay, we were right there they were super fun. Oh, cool. and that's such a cool experience. Like. I've, I've had that same experience where I remember doing my first paid stunt show where I literally got paid to ride a BMX bike and it broke me from being able to be a decent employee. Mm-hmm. Like to this day, like... <laughs> was that with Yellow Designs? It or? was with Yellow Designs, yeah. So I had been hanging out with Yellow and it goes back to being in the right environment. Mm-hmm. We watched the stunt show and this is like a month after I found out what BMX was. And I tore my bike apart and I made it into a BMX bike. And I'm all fired up about it. And we're in Winter Park. We see Yellow Designs do a show <laughs> after this mountain bike thing we were doing mm-hmm. for the Red Cross. And my dad could just tell I'm just itching at the table. I can't sit still. Mm-hmm. And he just tells me, like, go introduce yourself. Like, yeah. go make friends with those people. Cool. And he literally had to, like, walk me over there, like, first day of school and, like, <laughs> drop me off and walk away. <laughs> And I did not leave their side. Like, I didn't let them break down the ramp in peace. I yeah. didn't let them sell merch in peace. I was glued to them. Yeah. And over the course of, like, a year, I just followed them around, and I yeah. bought a box jump lip from them that I put in my front yard as a quarter pipe and spent a lot of time through there. Big, big shout-out to Yellow Designs and yeah. Brian Gavigan for that. Literally changed my life. Um, but I remember doing my first paid stunt show in Colorado Springs, and uh, like the craziest feeling, like you mm-hmm. said, I'm just like, it literally had to been 25 to $50. Like it was nothing. And yeah. like, by no means was I crushing it as a stunt rider either. <laughs> like I was mostly there cause I was 14 and it was mm-hmm. interesting that there was a 14 year old on the team kind of a thing. Yeah. And uh, maybe 15 and yeah, that feeling of, I just got paid to do something I love mm-hmm. is something that I wish for everyone. Yeah. Because it, it really opened me up to realize I don't have to do things. Like, if I have to do something for money, like a J-O-B or a 9 to 5 that I'm not crazy passionate about, it doesn't mean I can't go find a way to get paid to do what I love. Mm-hmm. Like, it really made it real and solid and concrete in my mind that there's no reason you can't get paid to do what you love. Definitely. I think that, you know, even that first job that I got too, that had a lot to do with my mm-hmm. confidence in being willing to pursue this. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Cause I did like several stunt shows for free and like, I just, I enjoyed it mm-hmm. kind of going back to the whole school thing. Like I enjoyed it and the how to get paid for it just kind of showed up. It right. was, and it's not something I chose to pursue and like become a professional writer, but 
at the same time, it opened the door of like, I Mm -hmm. don't have to believe in the a work isn't something I'm supposed to enjoy. It's just to get money. Definitely, definitely. And and you chose to, you know, go talk to Yellow Des- Designs. You know, maybe it was your dad that chose that. Yeah, like, ultimately hey, go it talk was to on Yellow. me. Ultimately, ultimately it was on me, yeah. Right, ultimately, like, it was on you. And, you know, just surrounding yourself by those people is, like, the first step. Like, someone inspires yeah. you, like, you know, try to try to get in with them. And that seemed to work with you for Yellow Des- Designs, which is really cool And that seemed to work with me for, you know, being like, hey, Quinn, like I'm into photography. Let me know if I can help you at all, you know? So, and that still lives true to my job today is just, you know, being surrounded by the people that um, inspire me. And I feel like if anything, like my friends and just the people that I'm close to, like inspire me more than just anyone like that's like super famous or anything like I'm in, I yeah. get all most of my inspiration from my friends and like people that are in my life and people like people that <clears throat> I give my energy to and I get that energy back. Yeah. So that's really important to have around and, you know, just being open to talk to people and being open to being vulnerable to people like, hey, I, I don't know this. Like, can you like, you know what? Like, let me learn about yeah. about what this is all about. That really has helped me become, you know, a freelance photographer and videographer is that I'm willing to talk to people that are in that field or people that, you know, I want to like, hey, like, can I do some free photos for you or whatever? Free video? Like, how can I help you at all? So just putting yourself out there, getting your name out there is huge. And, you know, plus size BMX was the first client. And I've really never done like a whole lot of advertising for my business. And, you know, a lot of it is pretty much just word of mouth and just me being open to the possibilities and talking to people and learning people's stories and yeah, just being just being open to it, I think is the most genuine way and and has been the best way for me to, you know, get clients and you know pretty much all of them are very meaningful to me so it's it's great um having that be the system as far as like hey like you know i'm just doing this job to like get money or whatever um it's it's more than that it's more of like a partnership and a collaboration Mm -hmm. it seems like with a majority of my clients so i love that i love being able to work with them on their dreams so it's not just you know one of our dreams it's both of our dreams collaborating i like to think of it as when i work with someone it's collaborating on our dreams together so heck yeah that's awesome i mean that's that's such a great way to look at things is, is that you're working together on something you're not just producing something for someone yeah you are a part of it and you take that ownership and I think it shows off in a lot of at least the I haven't seen a, a ton of your stuff but as soon as I found out you were on the podcast I was like sick I can't wait I love watching action sports videos so it was like oh I'll twist my arm like <laughs> I, <laughs> right. I get to watch some cool footage and like yeah you can tell there's a lot of heart and like I think that really shows off or cool. shows up anyways in everything that you're doing and even back to what you're talking about of you've really gotten back to trying to be as authentic as possible mm-hmm. and it shows up because you're really keeping it real and, and 
becoming a partner with the clients. It's not just I'm making yeah. a video for these people. I'm making a video with these people. And when we're done, we're both going to look at this and be like, wow, we did something together. Yeah, definitely. I'm very fortunate to be working with everyone that I I do and very fortunate to know everyone that I do. And, you know, definitely could not do this without everyone in my life. And it's just been a really, a really great journey. Um, you know, I, you know, taking my inspiration from a young kid and kind of just rocking with that and riding that wave has been th my best option. And yeah, I'm just glad that, you know, I didn't take, you know, the advice of like maybe a few teachers or something <laughs> that I've had. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I kind of just stuck to my vision and my plan and it's worked out really good. And yeah, I feel very stoked to wake up every day and, and do what I do. And it's it's a, a new adventure every day. It's, it's it's great. And shout out to everyone in my life because I, I couldn't do this myself. You know, like I said, it's a collaboration of dreams and that's that's what it's all about. So. Amen. For sure. Well, that's cool. Heck yeah. Uh, how are we doing <laughs> on time? Uh, we're at an hour and a half, so. Sweet. Cool. It's about Is prime. there anything that you want to share right before we, we call it, like Instagram or places people can reach out if they want to check out some of your stuff? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, my Instagram is Connor Toulier. We can link that below. My last yep. name is very hard to understand because it's <laughs> French Canadian. I'm also Canadian, if you didn't know. Yeah. And um, yeah, so Connor Toulier on Instagram, Connor Toulier Media, Facebook. Stay tuned for Dad Ventures. Hopefully, we'll have some Dad Ventures in the works soon, and just a lot of exciting other projects coming up too that I'm working on. Um, actually. When I was riding my bike over here to the podcast, I was on the phone with uh, DJ Brandt. We're actually shooting tomorrow in Idaho Springs nice. for a little project. So very stoked to be working with him. He's definitely been like a huge inspiration since I've been moved to Colorado. So yeah, yeah very sweet. stoked and just, you know, don't let people tell you what to do. Follow your mindset, follow your own road. And yeah, I hope everyone listening to this has a blessed life and can do you got this you guys got this fill that joy quota damn thanks connor that was awesome thank <laughs> you for being here thank you guys i'm very stoked to be be talking to y'all boom thank you boom that's what's up sick nice